Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. At Metro by T Mobile, we don't think you should pay extra for high speed 5G data. Introducing the big 5G upgrade. Ditch your overpriced connection with Boost and Cricket and save half when you switch to Metro. Get one line of high speed smartphone data, just 25 bucks, with 5G access included. Plus, get a free Samsung Galaxy 5G with trade in. Rule your day with the big 5G upgrade only at Metro. Limited time in store only. Save half based on one line Boost and Cricket Unlimited plans. See store for details. Tiger fans, welcome to the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. It's Southern Heritage Classic Week, the annual showdown in Memphis with those Tennessee State Tigers. We want to hear all about the matchup, and there's no one better to come on and talk about it than the one and only Mike Organ of the Tennessean. He's been with the publication for 36 years, and he is fresh out of Tennessee State practice. So we definitely want to get some tidbits. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, I'm glad to be here with you and uh, looking forward to getting the season going and uh it starts big for TSU with Grambling first and then Jackson State and the Southern Heritage Classic. Absolutely. And I do want to notate to our listeners that we are recording this prior to the Grambling game. So as we talk, we do not know the results of the Grambling game or what took place. <laughs> Just want to put that out there. All right. So, uh, Mr. Oregon, let's get to it. This team, Tennessee State, is coming off three straight losing seasons, including a 2-5 and five record this past spring. And that led, of course, to the dismissal of longtime head coach Rod Reed. And it paved the way for the hiring of the one and only Eddie George. And we definitely want to hear all about Coach George. But uh, let's start with the team itself. I know, as I said, you just left practice. You've been around the team a lot lately, especially since his arrival. Can you kind of just describe the energy around the program since he arrived and especially since this fall camp started? Well, as you said, I've been around it a lot more so than in the past, uh, we're, we're paying attention uh, to what's going on at Tennessee State because of the uh, hiring of Eddie George. Uh, you know, it created quite a buzz and uh, in the media and uh, throughout uh, not just the HBCU community, but the uh, college football world and the pro football world. I mean, let's, you know, admit it that, you know, this is this is a, a hiring that touches uh, uh, several different spectrums because uh, Eddie has stayed relevant uh you know, it's, even though it's been 17 years, a lot of people don't realize that since Eddie last played uh, 2003. Uh, 
but he has stayed relevant by uh, uh, doing a lot of an- analyzing, being a TV analyst and and uh, serving as a, a color commentator for the team and just staying part of the team in a lot of ways and staying very visible in Nashville. So we're paying a lot of attention to him and, and Eddie's just Eddie. That's mm-hmm. uh, He's the same guy today that he was when he played. Uh, he's the same guy that uh, did Broadway for two years. A lot of people don't know that. He was a, a, an actor, a lead, had the lead role in some plays and, and did Broadway for a couple wow. of years. TV, he's done a lot of TV, uh, special guests on some shows, Hawaii Five-0 and some things like that, and uh, got into politics for a little while, held a position in the uh, Nashville Metro government uh, under the form, uh, the mayor, two mayors back. Uh, so he's just done a lot. Uh, he started his own landscaping company. He has an mm-hmm. agriculture degree uh, from the Ohio State University and has his own landscaping company, has several other companies that he runs, has done a uh, few uh, uh, exercise videos, wow. uh, has remained in top shape. If you see him today at 47, he looks mm-hmm. like he could still rush for a thousand yards. I, I believe it. I had the pleasure of running it to him randomly on an airplane not too long ago, and I didn't re- recognize it was him. I think he was trying to be incognito, under- understandably so. He had his hat uh, down real low, and I think we have had some sunglasses on. I just saw a big guy walking down the aisle, and I wanted to stop him and say, hey, man, do you play football? And I'm glad I didn't <laughs> say that because I would have been embarrassed. <laughs> I, I honestly think, Corey, he looks better today than he did when he played, and I, he and I have talked about that a little bit. He now, you know, he has more time to work out now and shape his body the way he wants to to shape it so he actually looks better than he did when he played when he had mm. to worry about practicing and and getting beat up on all the time uh to be honest he looks more like a competitive bodybuilder mm-hmm. and six wow. foot three yeah, 240 yeah. pounds whatever he is well, and great. he he's just very physically fit uh minded and uh mm-hmm. he uh he works his he does his workouts around the the team's schedule and if that doesn't work, then he just jumps right in there with them and gets on the bench press and does that and does the other exercises that they're doing in the weight room if he if he hadn't gotten his workout in. Right, right. And just with that mindset that he has, you know, being a former player and, and staying in such great shape and continuing to work out, I can imagine how that rubs off on the players who are still active and playing. They have no choice but to make sure they are in tip-top condition and to make sure the condition is on point. But, you know, most sports teams, they take on the personality of the head coach anyway. Knowing Coach George, what would you say or what do you think will be the identity of an Eddie George-led football team? It's going to be a more disciplined uh, team. Uh, speaking of uh, physical fitness, he said when he got the job back in the spring, he wanted the uh, best-conditioned team in uh, college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, not FCS, but all college football, including FBS. So the first time I went out to practice was about three weeks ago, and they were practicing at 11, from 11.30 till about 1 o'clock. And it was 105 degree heat index. Mm-hmm. And those kids were sweating like crazy. Now he was being smart about it. He would only go for about 20 minutes and then they'd take long breaks. They had plenty of water. Uh, he let them take that. This was in full pads too. He let mm-hmm. them take their pads off at the end. But I talked to the players at that time and they said, this is all a part of the discipline and uh, uh, the new culture that has been brought in there. So I think you're going to see a more, uh, a disciplined team, hopefully that doesn't commit as many penalties as the mm-hmm. team did over the last three or four years, which some just killer penalties, uh, including personal fouls that were just 15-yard penalties that really hurt this team. Hopefully those will be gone, and then I think you're going to see a tough team that 
he, he's installed a pro offense, obviously, but it's going to lean heavily on the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main focus has been making sure everything is taken care of up front, which a lot of people say, but he's a running back. Why would he not want to take care of right. the running backs first? Absolutely. Well, he wants to take care of the up front because he knows how important that is to the running backs and how important it was to him throughout his NFL career. So he's really put put a heavy focus on making sure that his offensive staff gets the line, get, make sure that they're solid up front before anything else. Mm-hmm. And this team, this 2021 team at Tennessee State, it uh, has eight players on the OVC preseason team, but they're projected to, pin, to finish fifth in the conference. So in your opinion, what will be some of the keys to success in order for this team to exceed those expectations, which I'm sure Coach George intends on doing? Yeah, you know, cutting down on the mistakes uh, is going to be big. Just maybe simplifying some things just to, so that they don't have the tendency to make as many mistakes. And by that, I mean penalties and some other blown plays, which we've seen, over you know, a little bit of a sloppy pl- uh, play over the last few years. So you cut down on those, you pick up a victory or two right there. That's why they're predicted low in the uh, conference because, as you said, fifth, but with Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State out, you know, there's only eight teams in the conference mm-hmm. now, so fifth is pretty low. Uh, I think you'll see a team that will start off running heavy because uh, they still haven't settled on a quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. I asked Eddie about it yesterday, and they still haven't settled on a starting quarterback in this first game. Uh, I think they will add the passing attack as the season comes along, goes along, because they've got a great receiver and one of those all OV, preseason all-OVC players you mentioned in Cam Weish. And they've got to take advantage of that, and they've got to get some of the pressure off of Devon Starling, the running back, who uh, I have predicted will get a rush for 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. He led the OVC in the spring and rushed for 648 yards during a season that only had seven games. So, you know, if it had been a full season, he would have gotten 1,000 yards last year. He's a transfer from Memphis and a mm-hmm. former class uh, 6A Mr. Football here in town. We, we, he's a local kid. Uh, from Cane Ridge High School. So I think they'll run, they run heavy early, but I think they will uh, incorporate the pass. They'll, they'll uh, increase their pa- passing game as the season goes along, and they'll start to do it early. I definitely want to touch on a couple of those names you mentioned. Uh, obviously, the running back, uh, Mr. Starling, and then Cam Weiss. But I, I want to rewind first and go back to that quarterback competition. And again, we are recording this prior to the first game. So by the time our listeners hear it, uh, we will know who that starting quarterback is. But a bit, again, there's been a lot of question marks around the quarterback in the fall, in the fall camp. One name that most Jackson State fans will be familiar with is Jeremy Hickbot. He's the transfer quarterback from Gramlinger team that we face in the SWAC. And uh, he's been vying for that starting job with Devion Bryant, who won the job late in the 2020 season. And then there's the Auburn transfer, Shahil Garnett. And it appears as though Higbottom has been the you know, kind of ahead in that race. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, I think he pulled ahead during the preseason camp. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, Devion Bryant was the leader coming in, having started the last two games last year, took the position away from Isaiah Green uh, during that spring season. And uh, and Devion did, played well, you know, and had a good uh, – uh, early preseason, but I think Higbottom uh, uh, started to come along and uh, by uh, probably about halfway through and later on uh, probably had either pulled even or pulled a little bit ahead. Uh, we don't get to see practices like we used to uh, under the former administration, but uh, in talking to Hugh Jackson, the offensive coordinator, longtime NFL coach, uh, he's been impressed by Higbottom 
and likes all the football that he's played. And like you said, Corey, you know that he's played a lot of football uh, uh, and, and had been a starter at Grambling. And so interesting that uh, if he gets this job or plays at all in the first game, he'll be playing against his former team. Hmm. So uh, that, that's right. kind of fascinating there. Uh, six months after playing for this team, mm-hmm. he's playing against this t- his team uh, because of the way the spring worked. But, uh, yeah, I think Hickbottom has probably pulled ahead just because of his playing experience that he's played so much more football. Absolutely. And I know he he's dying to get this uh, opportunity to face his old teammates, so I know he's pushing hard to get that starting job, if he as if he wasn't already. But I know that's that extra, extra motivation. Absolutely. <laughs> no, doubt, no doubt. Now, you mentioned the running back, Starling, and you also mentioned Hugh Jackson, who I want to get to later as we talk about this coaching staff that Coach George has assembled. But the offense coordinator, Mr. Hugh Jackson, we all know him. We all know the name. He's installing a pro-style scheme. You kind of mentioned that earlier, uh, leaning heavily on the run. We talked about Starling, who you project as a 1,000-yard back. And that's something that hasn't been done at Tennessee State since 2013, so that'd be huge. Now, you also mentioned the wide receiver, Weiss, another guy who's probably anticipating to have a big year. TSU has also never had a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver in the same season. So history could be made. Do you think that's a fair expectation to put that on those two guys' place this season? I do. If what our discussion earlier about the, the passing game coming around, I do if that passing game comes around as they hope or close to how, the way they hope. If they've got a pretty steady, you know, if, if the pieces are there and if it comes together by the third or fourth game, then I think Cam Weish is a receiver that's capable of that, of uh, uh, catching enough passes. Shoot, he had uh, almost 500 yards on just 22 catches mm-hmm. in the abbreviated spring practice. So you double that, which you think he's going to at least be able to double that, uh, then, you know, he should be on his way to 1,000. I won't say pretty easily again because mm-hmm. the uh, passing game is not anywhere close to where the rushing game is. But if it comes along – and Higbottom or Bryant, whichever quarterback, takes over and they establish a chemistry, uh, which they're going to need to do because he was not around long enough, you know, before to, for a quarterback to do that with. I think that uh, I think you could have a thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver. And I know that's something that Eddie George would like to have. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on those two guys this week as we face them. And let's switch over to the other side, that defensive side. Who are some guys to look out for? And a couple names have been mentioned, uh, the defensive tackle to Ray Jones, linebacker James Green, and, and specifically the defensive end, Davon Hawkins. He's a Kentucky transfer, and understanding he could be a conference player of the year candidate. So talk about that defense. Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard maybe to, to be the best player in the conference from the defensive end position. But because the line is as strong as it is, with Teray Jones, who's one of the better players on the line, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to double team anybody up front. So I think that uh, that's really going to allow Devon Hawkins, which they call him Day-Day, to to really excel and get to the quarterback a lot and get to the running back, even if the play is going the other way. He's very fast, very agile for a big player at 286 pounds. He gets to the ball and uh, is a good tackler. So I like him probably – uh, who they're more excited about than anything outside of the, the two or three you mentioned is the return of linebacker Jay Sean Bryant, mm-hmm. who was from, also from Cane Ridge, like Starling, and um, had emerged as probably one of the top two or three defensive players on the team two years ago when he suffered a really bad uh, shoulder injury and leg injury. 
uh, and missed the re- the last part of 2019 and did not play play in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I uh, talked to him today, and he told me he's 100% healed and more eager than ever to co- come back. He is a tackling machine under the former coaching staff. Rod Reed, the head coach, had been a middle linebacker when he played at TSU, mm-hmm. and he always put great emphasis on the middle linebacker position. And his middle linebacker always had a lot of tackles uh, mm-hmm. in the 12 years that Rod was the coach, and he was grooming Bryant to be that same caliber player. And uh, I, I think he's going to pick up right where he left off, and he's either gonna, even going to surprise this present coaching staff with his play whenever they get in game type situations, because that's what he did under the previous uh, staff. Was uh, yeah, he was good in practice, but he really shined under the lights, and and when the cameras came on, he was really good on game day. Absolutely, definitely looking forward to seeing him and all those guys you mentioned. And I, before I let you go, I do want to take it back to that coaching staff. We've mentioned some names, uh, you know, obviously Coach Jackson, but you know, Coach Eddie George. He assembled a staff that is pretty impressive. And you know, I like to go take it back to what Coach Prime always talked about when assembling his staff. Just the years of experience that they had combined playing and coaching in the NFL, which was eighty four. 84 years for his staff. Wow. It looks like, yeah, it looks like Coach George has kind of a similar model. If you look at some of the bios, I see a lot of playing experience and a lot of coaching experience at the highest level. So just talk about that staff that he has assembled and what jumps out at you. Well, unlike Coach Prime, Eddie had no coaching experience whatsoever. And I know Dion had a little bit, uh, and, but Eddie had none. And so what he did was he was sure to first and foremost surround himself with some coaches with great experience because he didn't want to get out there and get embarrassed. And he'd tell Mm -hmm. you that. Mm -hmm. So he leans heavily on his staff more so than I've probably uh, ever seen a coach uh, lean Mm -hmm. on a a staff. Uh, He, you know, he, he, and he takes uh, everything they, you know, usually you you hear these coaches say, this is not a democracy and they just dominate their assistant coaches. Mm Eddie doesn't do that. He listens to what his coordinators and his assistants say and uh, it's really a, a, a an interesting relationship uh, between him and his, his staff. Uh, and he's got guys on it that he respects uh, and obviously who have a lot more experience than him. We, we talked about Hugh Jackson, who's been an NFL coach at a couple of places, probably should have been one of three to three places. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Fisher is his defensive coordinator. He's Brandon and Eddie have known each other since Brandon was born because he is Jeff Fisher's son. And, uh, so that's an interesting uh, relationship there, and he comes from Auburn and has some has uh, college experience. So that you know, while Eddie has known him and they had that friendly relationship at the same time, he leans on him because of all the experience uh, Brandon has on the college level. Uh, Brandon's father, Jeff Fisher, is the senior advisor, mm. and he can't coach players, but he can coach coaches, and he's <laughs> out there almost every day wow. coaching the coaches. So uh, you see that, and, and and Jeff can talk to the players. He just can't coach them. Mm-hmm. So he's out there, and then you've got, you know, uh, the others that uh, you look through there, the Pepe uh, Pearson, who uh, replaced Eddie, not replaced him, but followed Eddie as a, a running back at Ohio State uh, and was a great running back, was just a little bit overshadowed, uh, <laughs> considering, you know, who he followed. Right. Clyde Simmons is on the staff. Uh, Keith Burns, Joe Bowden is the uh, linebackers coach. So, yeah, it's, you know, there's a ton of experience there, and Eddie's smart enough to rely on it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a smart move. Kudos to Coach George for assembling that staff. Definitely has a solid team around him, but it all starts with him, the head coach. And it was, of course, it was a splash hiring for Tennessee State. And he actually said he consulted with Coach Prime before he accepted the job because obviously Coach Prime got started at Jackson State uh, just, just prior to Coach George. So just reflect on the impact of this hiring for TSU up to this point, just from a local standpoint, even from a national standpoint, the exposure and everything that has come along with it. Well, TSU had really, unfortunately, fallen off the map and, uh, you know, through several mediocre seasons, uh, hadn't had only been to the playoffs once in the last 11 or 12 years. So they needed a splash hire. Uh, now, by that, we thought that might mean uh, somebody from uh, maybe a former Tennessee player because uh, they had, uh, who was it, Joey Kent was on the staff for a little while, maybe Dominic Rogers Cromartie who played mm. there was getting a little bit of attention. He, he was a volunteer coach there last year. Uh, and so we felt like the new athletics director, Mickey Allen, would try to make a splash hire. We just wondered how much of a splash hire he could make considering the product he had. And what he did was beyond what anybody could have ever imagined in getting Eddie George to leave the former life that he had built, you know, it said like Eddie came right out of uh, pro football and going right into college football. You know, he had, like we said earlier in this uh, podcast, he had done a lot and, and established himself in a lot of different arenas and to convince him to come out of it and take, I won't call it a cushy life, but a great life mm-hmm. and take on one of the hardest jobs in the world, which is to be a college football coach at, a program that needed to be retooled from the bottom up was a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. for Mickey Allen and the entire uh, TSU administration. And I think the, the football world took it, uh, uh, notice of it, and it's been great exposure. Eddie was on the uh, uh, ESPN's uh, kickoff show last Saturday, yes. mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, you can't buy that kind of exposure. Mm-hmm. TSU certainly couldn't have afforded it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's done so many other things. He's he's doing his own podcast wow. uh, right now, which is outside of uh, football. He's mm-hmm. interviewing country music stars okay. and a bunch of other people. But uh, it was a huge uh, get for Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, definitely reminiscent of, of, of our situation at Jack State with Coach Prime. Uh, exact same thing, just the exposure and everything that comes along with it. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. And another positive that has come from our hiring and i would imagine it'll be the same over at tennessee state it's just the effect on recruiting now we've actually seen it because coach prime has had it since he got hired we've had the opportunity to have two signing classes that was the december 2020 class and the february the traditional signing class in february of 2021 now i know coach george was hot, brought in after that so haven't had a chance to see a signing class but it's already been able to start picking up some uh, transfers and things of that nature so it looks like tennessee state's going in a positive direction from a recruiting standpoint so what do you think the recruiting uh, the, the potential effect that having coach george at a tennessee state can have on recruiting i think it'll be very positive <clears throat> how positive I'm not sure. Uh, Will it be as positive as some people think? I'm not totally sure because we touched on this earlier. Uh, It's been 17 years since uh, Eddie George played football. So the players he will recruit in his first class were not, will not have been alive. They weren't born when he started with the last time he played, but he did leave a great legacy and the parents of the players that he will recruit will definitely know who Mm -hmm. Eddie is. So, that will help 
and it will be a step in the right direction. And uh, I'll be honest, Tennessee State has done well in recruiting over the yeah. last few years. Mm-hmm. So I think that, it, that they'll keep continue where they were and gain some momentum mm-hmm. off of Eddie's name and some of these other coaches. You know, Brandon Fisher, as we mentioned, Jeff Fisher's son, he's been recruiting this area for Auburn for the past couple of years. So he knows the area. Players know him, so that's going to be a big plus. Hugh Jackson has the background that they can sell, even if the players hadn't heard of him. You know, that when he gets in there and you t- he, he says he shows him uh, his resume, that will impress. So I think it will have an, a positive effect. I think some people are a little bit overzealous about what kind of effect it will have, but mm-hmm. I think it will help what already has been a good, strong, solid recruiting effort and, and take it to another level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it remains to be seen, but I, I'm, I, for one, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it, especially after see, after I've seen what Coach Prime can do. So I want to go back to this matchup. Just a couple more questions about this matchup before I let you go. I do want to talk about just the, of course, it's, it's all about the game, you know, the two teams squaring off. And then you have the battle of the bands, which is always huge. But there's another component that's going to be just as intriguing as if or if not more intriguing especially from a national standpoint and that is the head-to-head matchup between the two coaches the two head coaches we have two pro football hall of famers squaring off as head coaches at hbcus of all places so just kind of your thoughts on just that the idea of that it's like a a fairy tale it's like a a (laughs) hollywood has written this thing up uh and on top of that it's a tradition that is huge uh you know when I go to Memphis, there's 50 or 60,000 people in the Liberty Bowl. There's 50, 60, 100 outside the Liberty Bowl. Mm-hmm. So this is a huge event, and it's been two years, or has it been three years? I know, you know, we got canceled two years ago, mm-hmm. and then there was the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it hasn't been played in three years. That was three years ago was the last time it was mm-hmm. played. So all the elements are working in, in its favor. Fred Jones does a great job at promoting this thing. And you're going to have now the anticipation of it coming back after being gone and it coming back with two absolutely NFL legendary players mm-hmm. as head coaches. Uh, like I said, if you just told somebody this off the street, <laughs> they didn't know you know, say it was true. They wouldn't believe it. It's right. like a Hollywood script. And they're friends on top of that. Mm-hmm. You yeah. mentioned that to it. Eddie George relied on Dion to, uh, uh, to, to make his decision to do this, which mm-hmm. is huge. So the, the whole thing is just the, the dynamics are just perfect for this classic. Absolutely. Absolutely. True statement. True statement. And I, I do want to touch on this prediction that I saw coming from the Tennessee and his web. You guys are giving Jackson state the slight edge 21 17. So what kind of went into that prediction? Well, I feel like Coach Prime with a, a year under his belt or a season, well, a full year and a season under his belt will just be ahead enough uh, of Tennessee State to pull off that win. That's going to be a great game, and it usually is a great game. But I think that the year that uh, uh, Coach Prime has had with his program will be the deciding factor Uh Coach George and his staff will still be figuring things out at that early stage in the season. All other things are pretty, you know, personnel, uh, key players and all that. I see that being split right down the middle. But I, when you try to dig a little bit deeper and find out who has the edge, that's why I gave Jackson State the edge was just because 
that staff has been with that team a little bit longer and will be just a little bit ahead. Makes sense. A great point. And, you know, it's true. Coach Prime talks about it all the time, just the how fortunate he was to have that spring season. He was able to evaluate some guys and just see what needed to be done, what he needed to bring in and things of that nature. So I can kind of see where you guys are coming from. So we shall see. All right, Mike, I want to switch it over to basketball just real quick because you guys aren't only star-studded on the football side with, with Coach Eddie George, but on the basketball side as well, things are starting to pick up, starting with the son of Master P, Hersey Miller, a three-star shooting guard who had major offers around the country. He decided to sign with Tennessee State. And from what I understand, he's on campus, and it seems like some other players are starting to add Tennessee State to the list of uh, teams that they're considering. So just talk about that as well. What has that been like in the kind of a national experience? that's coming along with that coupled with what you're getting on the football side yeah you know uh penny collins the coach uh lured a five-star prospect in last week uh who came in and uh has now tennessee state in his final five along with kansas kentucky georgetown and uh memphis and uh you mentioned master p uh, you know, I'm sitting here one afternoon during the pandemic and uh, my phone rings. I pick it up and uh, the other guy on the other end says, this is uh, Master P. Uh, wow. Is Mike Organ there? <laughs> and I start talking to him and on the phone with him about 15 or 20 minutes. I hang up and I look at my wife and I said, that was Master P. <laughs> and of course, she doesn't believe me. She says, who are you calling Master P? I said, the Master P. I said, that's him. <laughs> And it, what, had, what had happened is I had reached out to his uh, uh, agent or his contact and his contact had contacted him about two or three days earlier. And nobody told me he was calling or anything. Uh-huh. And yeah. Just out of the blue, I get the phone rings and he says, I think he actually said, this is Percy Miller. Okay. Mm-hmm. They master P, but I knew who you know, he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So, and, and I've gotten to know him since then because I've probably mm-hmm. interviewed him four or five times. Mm-hmm. He is really, he's all in on helping this program, this basketball program. He's all in on Coach Collins, and uh, it's going to make a world difference for this team. He's trying to help the players with their NIL uh, name, image, and likeness uh, deals. And what's that doing, going back to what you're asking about uh, recruiting, that's luring more players who are interested in this because they know, hey, if I sign with TSU, I'm going to get the help of Master P when mm-hmm. it comes to making some cash, signing mm-hmm. some deals. He got a deal for his son, Hersey, for $2 million. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to do that for every player. <laughs> right. He's, he's going to help other players, and not just basketball. He's helped some football players, too. He's going to help others get deals, and that's going to play big in recruiting. And anybody knows Master P knows he has connections. So that, as much as anything else, is getting some visits for Tennessee State. Awesome. Uh, that is great. Great to hear. Uh, excited for those guys up at Tennessee State. Definitely pulling for them, except when they're playing those Tigers of Jackson State. But otherwise, I'm all for it. And also, before I let you go, definitely let our listeners know how they can find you, how they can read your your, your articles with the Tennessean and so forth. Well, I'm at Tennessean.com and, uh, of course, in the sports section and uh, also on Twitter at, at Mike Oregon Writer. And just keep an eye out for me. Appreciate it. Mr. Oregon, I, I truly appreciate your time. It's been an honor to talk to you again, 30 plus years in the business. And it's just like you have the energy and fire like you just started yesterday. So we truly appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that, Corey. It was great being with you. And we'll see you guys in Memphis, maybe. And that'll do it for this episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, 
be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers. Hashtag I Believe. Hashtag The I Love. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.